seated, everyone. Uh, we're actually starting a new sermon series today um, called True Faith. Um, and I wanted to ask this question, because whether you're a Christian or you're not, many people have this, uh, kind of use this phrase around, especially in religious communities, and it's this word faith. And today we're going to explore what does this, this word really mean, and what does it look like for us tangibly? Because true faith, as opposed to like other kind of counterfeits of faith, what does it mean to have faith in God? Now, the passage that was read earlier by Amy was from Hebrews chapter 11, and look at what the author writes about faith. Um, in Hebrews 11, now faith is confidence of what we hope for, right? So faith uh, inevitably calls us and asks us, to have faith in something or someone of something we hope for, an assurance about what we do not see. It might not be tangible. We may not know all the history around it. I might have faith in this pew to hold me up when I sit down, and I, I sit down based on faith, right? There's this belief that I have. I don't know everything about this pew, the engineering that went behind creating it, or the people or the craftspeople who actually created it, but yet with faith, I take that step of faith. Now, it's something we do not see, uh, this is what the ancients were commended for. By faith, we understand that the universe was formed at God's command so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. Uh, and look at what, how he concludes in verse six. And without faith, it is impossible. Can I hear you say impossible? Impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Now, do you see kind of the centrality of this word faith here? What the author of Hebrews is basically saying is unless we have faith, it's impossible to please God. It's impossible to have a kind of relationship with him. Now, we could talk about faith in many different circumstances. Faith in the way a relationship works out, a romantic relationship, like with my wife. There, there needs to be a certain level of faith and trust in that relationship for it to go anywhere. And the same is true with God. And so time and time again, this word faith is thrown out. Uh, but look at how James, who's actually the brother of Jesus, who is also a follower of Jesus. So if there's any kind of reason, you know, we just came off of Easter. Some of you are like, I don't believe Jesus was a real figure. Well, James, who's his brother, actually says that Jesus is the son of God. Can you imagine if your sibling, like, like for your sibling to vouch for you as being the son of God, that would truly be a miracle. And that's why James is someone who follows Jesus. But look at what James says about faith in this Jesus. Look at what he says. He says, what good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no what? Has no deeds. Now, isn't that interesting? Can such faith save them? Suppose a brother or a sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and well-fed. In other words, it's just words, but does nothing about their physical needs. What good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. That's not true faith. Now, look at what he says about what faith truly is. He says, but someone will say, you have faith, I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds, and I will show you my faith by my deeds. Now, this doesn't mean that before God, we need to do all these good things to somehow earn his approval, right? James is basically talking about the evidence of whether we truly have faith. Now, this faith, of course, is predicated upon this relationship in which God freely gives us his love. But the question is, do you really believe or not? Now, look at what he says. He says, you believe that there is one God. Well, good, because guess what? Even the demons believe that and they shudder. Now, here's what basically James is saying. James, again, he's talking about what does it mean to follow this Jesus person. I can talk all I want. I could use words, uh, eloquent words. I could offer up great prayers, but yet if my deeds don't match that kind of faith, it's not true faith. In fact, what he's saying is like even 
demons who, and even if you don't believe in demons, let's just replace demons with bad guys, okay? (laughs) Even bad guys who believe that there is a God, they believe, but they don't have faith. They shudder because they believe. See, there's a difference, there's a difference between simply saying I have faith in God and actually having it work out in my own life and journey. The apostle Paul, look at what he writes to the church in Rome. Now you gotta understand, this is the beginning of the Christian movement. Look at what he writes. Uh, Romans 14, 21, he says, whatever is not of faith is sin. There it is again. You see how this topic of faith and living by faith continues to manifest itself and work out in many different ways. It's such a significant topic because what does it look like for us to actually have true faith? Not this faith that simply says, I believe, not this faith that actually just says, that just uses words, but faith that's tangible, that actually works itself out in deeds. Uh, And this is what James is talking about, this is what Paul is talking about, this is what the author of Hebrews was talking about, is that faith in itself must work. It must work. It must work itself out. In other words, I can say all day long, I've got faith, this is who I follow, but at the end of the day, if it doesn't work itself out, then it's not really faith. Now, what does that mean for me and what does that mean for you? It means that the way that we live our lives then, I can, I can use words all day. In fact, as a pastor, I give a lot of words, right? On Sundays, I can give a lot of words. But if my life in private does not signify a life of faith, it doesn't matter what kind of words I might give. I can fake it to you all about words that I use, but does it, does it really manifest in my relationship with my wife and my children and people that I know? Now, that doesn't mean I have to be perfect. No, far from it. But what it means is, are the decisions that I make in the way that I invest my life, are they reflective of a life of faith? Now, I want to talk about three different ways, right? Because if faith works, I want to talk about three different ways in that we spend our lives. Here they are. And they're probably no surprise to you. It's our time, it's our energy, and it's our money, How do we actually spend these things as a demonstration of what faith looks like? Now, we can talk about, oh, well, of course I have faith, and I could talk about how God is the most important person to me. And yet, if you were to examine my life, if you were to to ask me questions about my time, my energy, and my money, really, at the end of the day, the proof is in the pudding, right? And what do I mean by that, right? The proof is in the pudding. It simply means that the way that we spend our lives then, especially as it, as it comes to our faith, the way that we spend it, the deeds that we show, is often the evidence of whether or not we truly have faith. Now, here's the thing about faith and about life. In today's world, it's so easy to compartmentalize our lives. I mean, isn't it, right? Like we compartmentalize. This is just my church life, which is basically Sunday for maybe an hour, um, and I'm only paying attention for like 15 minutes of that, right? So like that will be my God time, and the rest of my time and energy, it's focused on my career, on my children, on making money, on whatever it might look like, on building my platform or profile or whatever it might be. Now, do you see how this works, right? Like when it comes down to it, what we have faith in, the proof is in the pudding of our time, our energy, and our money. Where are we putting our time, our energy, and our money? Now, I wanna uh, like stop right here, just time out. 
And I want to say this, like if some of you are all of a sudden, you're just like, oh my goodness, he's making all these asks of me. I know, I knew he was going to do this. I'm not even saying that you have to give your time, your energy, and your money to Hope Midtown. I'm talking about, let's just talk about your life and the decisions that you make with your life and the decisions that I make with my life. Are they shaped by a life of faith? If, if an alien came down from outer space, uh, this is a totally unrehearsed illustration, so if it doesn't land, forgive me, <laughs> but if an alien came from outer space and said, oh, tell me what this person believes about their life and just followed you around, followed your life around in your private moments, in your public moments, what would they say about you and what you believe or who or what you have faith in? Would they say, oh yeah, the thing that's most important to this person is their career, is their money, is their vacations, uh, is their social media? What would they say about what is most important? Now, do you see how it starts to get a bit more real now? What does faith look like if faith in itself is not just words, but it actually manifests in real, tangible stuff? What does that look like for me and what does that look like for you in terms of how we spend our time, our energy, and our money? Now, again, you don't have to get involved at Hope Midtown at all. I'm just asking the question for you whether or not this really manifests in your life and in mine. Now, with that said, we as a church, here's what we exist for. We exist so that you and me and all of us can live out our faith. This is a space in which we can live it out. Now, some, some people might say like, oh, but it's so ritualistic. You come every Sundays and Sunday mornings and like, is that what it's all? And no, no, no. Like the, I, again, a, a few weeks ago, I talked about how like, if we as a, church, as a church, we exist, right, to glorify God and to make disciples and make sure that each one of us then can have a truly living faith in Jesus, what it means is we need to gather together to be reminded of what does it mean to truly follow Jesus. That's what we gather week after week. Now, if you're someone who can do that without being engaged with people and without being in a community, I have not seen it. It's just really hard to do that alone. And so the reason why we exist as a church then is so that me and you, when it comes down to how do we work out our faith, we try to give opportunities for working out your faith. Now, here's the rubric that we use as a church, right? It's basically, it's connecting in our groups. It's growing in our courses. It's serving on different teams. Now, notice there's these three different elements, right? There's this communal element to it. There's this vertical element to it of connecting with God. And then there's this using our gifts to serve others element. Now, each one of these are very important for how we live out our faith. Some of us, we might be good at one of these things. Some of us, we might be good at two of these things. But uh, really, it's all three of them. So you might be saying, like, I'm, I'm really good at connecting, or I'm really good at growing and, and worshiping, and I love worship. But when it comes to serving, I'm not such a great servant. Right? But do you see how there's, there's these three different elements of what it means to actually live out our faith? And so when we talk about the Church Center app, right, like, hey, sign up for the Church Center app and da-da-da, we've, guess what, we've organized our Church Center app so that you can connect, grow, and serve in these three different ways. And the reason why we've done that is simply so that we can help you uh, live out your faith, so that Jesus becomes the central thing. Now, 
That's not the only way that you can follow Jesus. There's so many different ways you can follow Jesus in this city. And we want to help you facilitate that. However, we want to say, like when it comes down to it, we know that these different elements need to take place in terms of living out our faith, actually making it work. Now, if, let's just say, right, you made a resolution, you're like, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna become like a workout warrior now. Too much of this unhealthy eating and like, and, and, uh, and not going to the gym stuff, the weather's getting nicer. This is a sign that I'm supposed to work out, right? Like you go and you're like, I just signed up for a gym membership. Now, can you imagine? You go to this gym membership, right? You go to the gym, you say, I want your best trainer. And they're like, well, that, that best trainer costs this amount. That's what I want. I'm gonna spend that amount of money for your best trainer. The best trainer comes out, meets you, introduces himself or herself. And, uh, and basically, you give these instructions to this trainer. You basically say to them, listen, I want to lose weight and become like, you know, just pure muscle. <laughs> Sorry, you can tell I've never done this before. <laughs> but you're just basically, I want to just get in tip-top shape. I want to become the, like, the prime athletic version of myself. You go to the gym and you say this to the trainer. And you say, but I've got a, a couple of conditions. Number one, you're not hard on me at all. You just basically, you get like, you, you, you're just not hard on me, okay? If you, if you say anything that I disagree with, or if you make me do something that I don't want to do, then forget it. I'm out. And here, here's the second condition. I want to keep my diet of Cheetos and fried chicken for every lunch and dinner. No vegetables, just Cheetos and fried chicken. And by the way, I also, I don't want to do any cardio. I just want to, no running that feels painful. I just want to lift some weights so that my muscles can get really big. Again, I know no one speaks like that, but nonetheless, right? Can you imagine that? Saying that to a trainer. What do you think the trainer would say? It's, it's impossible. It's impossible. Listen, what you're asking me for is to put you through rigorous training for you for the way that you stretch and grow and move into maturity, into the best version of yourself, it's not necessarily going to be the easiest thing. Now, here's the thing. As we go through this sermon series over the next few weeks, here's what I want you to know. This is not gonna be the easiest thing for you to hear. In fact, some of you might viscerally have responses like, that, like Drew, why are you speaking to me this way? Spending my time, and it's my time, my energy, my vacations, right? Like, I mean, it's so easy to do that. But here's what I want you to know. Like, he, I would not be doing my job or my role if uh, I just said, hey, you know what? It's all good. Like, faith is just kind of lackadaisically going about life and this not becoming a very important thing to you. But here's what I want you to know. I want you to know that I here, when I, when I talk about some of the topics that I'm talking about, I'm gonna be pushing you to say like, you can grow in your faith. Your faith can actually grow. It must take on flesh. It must begin to materialize in your marriages, in your parenting, in your personal lives, in the way that you interact with people. It needs to actually work. 
And if you don't work it, then your faith, where again, faith without faith, it's impossible to please God, then your faith, maybe it's not true faith. Now, here, we just finished a giving campaign, and the giving campaign was Hope for NYC. We raised $42,000 for all these different causes. Uh, we also raised $61,000 in December for all of these other causes as well. So we've, we've given over the last, our little congregation, I mean, look around. Some people have asked me, they're like, this congregation's kind of small. How do we give away so much money? Uh, people have asked me that regularly. Um, now, we gave, we've given away over $100,000 then, um, just over the last few months, towards causes that we believe and love, right? Now, I want to talk about the difference between what we just did, and I'm going to call it charitable giving, charitable, versus faith-based giving, because there's a difference. Now, as I talk about this nuance, I'm not actually saying like, hey, charitable giving, like it's all bad and wrong. We just did a charitable giving campaign, right? I said, hey, there's these causes. You've probably seen the news, Ukrainian war relief, uh, you know, serving the poor in New York City with hope for New York. That's cause-based giving, right? So basically, there's these causes. I want to move charity-based. I want, I want to move your heart so that you can start being a generous person and care about other people, right? That's charitable giving. Does that make sense? Charitable-based giving is based on like, hey, this is where this money is going to. But when, I, when it comes to giving, I wanna talk about faith-based giving. Because here's what faith-based giving is. Faith-based giving is forget whatever charity it is. Now, of course, I'm not saying like forget completely. <laughs> I'm saying like, it's, it's not about charity. It's about you and your money, your hard-earned money. Would you say that the way that you spend and give your money, is it based on faith, on believing that when you give, you will receive? Now, here's the thing. When we start talking about money, all of a sudden things get really serious. Like, oh, he's really going there. We're talking about money. I want to give a couple of caveats before I dive into this, right? Because we're talking about charitable-based giving versus faith-based giving. A couple caveats. Number one, uh, it's, the church doesn't need your money, okay? Uh, I, I think I've mentioned that before. I, and I don't need your money. I've mentioned to you all before in several different iterations, my wife is independently wealthy and so I actually don't need your money, guys. So I just want you to know that. So it's not like I'm saying this so that somehow my net worth increases or my salary or anything like that, okay? So I don't need your money because of my wife, uh, <laughs> all right? So listen, so I just want you to know that, okay? So it's not like I, and I've, I've told people my salary here at the church, my salary is $76,000 a year. Moreover, I've told you all that at the church, that $76,000, we've actually donated it for the last two years towards our, our building campaign for the For the City campaign, okay? We actually, we actually were actually donating more because I had to take a pay cut because of the pandemic and what was happening. So we actually gave $170,000 
to our giving campaign, all right? So I'm not even taking a salary from the church. So I'm not saying this just because, oh, it's just that pastor so greedy. He's just talking about himself here. I just wanted to level set that. I'm giving as much information as I can so that you don't levy this thing that like, oh, Drew, that's, this is why you're talking about this. Okay, so that's number one. Number two, I wanna level set as well. Like our books are open. If you guys wanna take a look at where we spend our money, how our budgets are made, our books are open. So you can take a look at how our money's spent, all that stuff, whether or not we're really supporting all these causes, feel free. There's no hiding or shame in what we're doing. So I wanna level set both of those things because I realize money and churches and religions, like they have all this connotation because here's what I wanna do right now. I just wanna have an honest conversation about money because the reality is money, especially for since time began until today, money is that one thing that ultimately it is the evidence of what you have faith in. It does. Because like I said, we can talk so much about words, like we use words to talk about maturity, but money and how you deal with money is the most deep indicator for where your faith is, what you really believe about God. Do you really believe God is enough? Now, I'm not even talking about charitable-based giving. I'm talking about you and your money. What you do with your money. If an alien from outer space were to come and say, oh, this is what this person does with their money, would they be able to say that person is someone who lives by faith? Lives by faith in a God of generosity. Lives by faith when it comes to giving and saving and spending. Now, I want to offer another caveat here. Some of you might be like, I'm saddled in debt. I can't give. I can't be generous, da, 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 da. We've got courses, like we've got a course that's actually coming up in a couple of months on managing money because it's such a spiritual issue. So I just want you to know, there's tons of ways to resource yourself. What I want to say for you specifically, whether you have a little money or whether you have a lot of money, is the way that you approach money and your life, is it based on faith? Faith that God is who he says he is. Faith that when you do give generously, that God will reward you. That God sees it, that he is trustworthy, that he is worth giving to. Now, again, this is different than charitable-based giving. This is about you and your faith, because ultimately that's what it comes down to, isn't it? Do you really believe that God is who he says he is? Do you really believe that with, with however much you have, whether it's a little or whether it's a lot, do you really believe that he's going to reward you if you let go of that money and give? Do you really believe that, that he's going to take care of you? But not only take care of you, that he will bless that Remember, okay, let's go back to this metaphor, right, of like, of working out and like, hey, we're talking about some hard things here and whether or not we're open to saying like, okay, I'm ready to hear as a trainer. I, I, wanna, I wanna hear it. I want all of it. I want all the smoke here on what it means to, be, to get into tip-top athletic prowess. And if you were to ask me, what does it mean for me to grow in spiritual maturity? And I were to say to you, well, one of the first things is to get at your money, at your money, your bank account. 
And what it means is to actually start practicing faith-based giving. And you're like, oh, okay, okay, well, you know what I'll do? I can afford to maybe give this amount per week. And I'll ask this question. Is that faith-filled? Are you giving this just because you know you can afford it and there's just a small little amount, da 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 Or is it full of faith? Is it, are you stretching your muscles? Are you trying something that's different? Believing that when you do this, God is faithful and God will reward you. Check out what Jesus writes about, I think, one of the biggest sources of discontent in the world around us as it relates to money. Check it out. He says, therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life because isn't that what happens with money? We're so worried about it. If I give this away, this will happen to me. What if this, you know, what if I cannot afford the next Netflix upgrade subscription, right? (laughs) Whatever it might be. What if I can't afford this next thing? He says, Do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying at a single hour of your life? Now look at what he says. And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow? They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God, now isn't this amazing? All right, he's talking about how God, the God of the universe, it's not like God needs your money. And by the way, that's, that's what I'm talking about here. God doesn't need your money. You need some training and some exercise to grow in faith though. And I need it. We need it in the worst way. And look at what he says. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? Now, here's what I realize. I've probably touched a nerve, right? Like, like, oh, wow. You went from faith to money, and that really touched a nerve here. Because honestly, I am just making ends meet month to month. I've got different debts that I have that I need to pay off. Or maybe you're just worried about your business or your employment. Or the stock market has not been doing well over the last few weeks and months, and you're just really concerned and worried. I mean, isn't this what happens in our lives But here's the freedom that I believe you and I have always longed for. What we've always longed for is a freedom, right? I mean, don't you admire those people who they can live, even when things are up and they're down, they can live with such a freedom and a lightheartedness and a joy that belies their circumstance? I mean, isn't that what we all long for, to have that kind of approach to life? Now, what if that's the life that Jesus is offering here? Now, not a reckless and a risky kind of life, but what if he's offering the kind of life where the anxieties that you have, they're just so real and tangible. What if you could actually have faith in this God and begin to actually take action steps to say, God, I'm gonna trust you. And this is what happens with our money, right? It's a real moment of trust, of saying, God, I'm gonna trust you with this. 
because I believe in who you are. Now, here's the reality as it relates to faith, though. You and I know, like, it's not just about having faith. It's about the object of faith, right? Because I could have faith all day in the New York Knicks, and yet, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, I could have faith, sorry, if you're not a basketball fan, they're not doing very well. They haven't done very well for a long time. I could have faith all day in something or someone that's unreliable. But here's the good news of the Christian faith. The good news of the Christian faith. See, there's a, a God in heaven. And check out what this God in heaven does. John chapter 1. He says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. I mean, isn't this amazing? Right? We talked about faith taking on flesh and becoming real. Guess who does this? The God of the universe. And he shows us a certain way of living, a certain way of freedom, a certain way of being able to approach the needs of this world, including our money, to show us that the God of the universe, when it comes to the object of our faith, he's the God who's got all of it in his hands. He's the God who's got everything under his control. And he's the God who tells you that he would give his very life he would actually come and enter into our world to understand our circumstances, but give of himself so that you and me and all of us can take to the bank, not to the bank, to the bank, that God himself is truly who he says he is. A God who is for us and not against us. A God who is worthy of our deepest faith and trust. And so the invitation to you and to me throughout this we're going to have some weight training sessions here, some cardio sessions about like, will you take some steps of faith? Here's what I'd like to do. I'd like to invite you to stand with me and the worship team come forward. You know, we ended with this passage about worrying and here's what I want to do. In a room like this, Many of us have a lot of worries, worried about our kids, our families, our jobs, our futures. And so here's what I want to do. I just want you to open up your hands. First, I want you to make a clenched fist like this, you know, and you can feel the tension there, right? It's the same tensions of all your anxieties. And money is one symptom of that. I assume it's somewhere on that list. See, and then this move happens, though, when we begin to let go and open up our hands, which you can begin to do. This is a lot scarier. But it's an invitation towards freedom. Freedom for you and for me to experience that worry-free life to believe in the object of our faith, this is Jesus who actually frees us to trust him. Not only to trust him, but to say he rewards those who earnestly seek him, who take steps of faith in him. Do you believe that? Do you believe that when you start to exercise these muscles of faith that he will reward you? And you might be like, oh, no, no, I don't, well, whatever, I don't, you know, I, I, I do what I need to do. I come to church on Sunday, but like, do you, 
do you live by faith? Father, I pray that you would free us. May you be the center of our lives and may our lives reflect that in every way. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen, let's sing together.